0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Staying Connected, a podcast where I talk to other people about their stories with vascular Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, or VEDS, which I also have. This is Katie, your host, and today I have Eric with us to tell his story with VEDS. Hey, Eric. Hey, how are you? Doing well, how are you?
1: I'm good, thank you.
0: I am really excited to hear your story and have you share it on the show. Sweet. (laughs) So how old are you?
1: Uh, I'm forty-seven.
0: Forty-seven. And when were you diagnosed with beds?
1: Uh, Diagnosed when I was forty-three, so four years ago in twenty seventeen.
0: And how did that come about?
1: Uh, Actually, all started. uh, Actually, it was a normal day. I was at work and uh, just started having some back pain, um, and just slowly started getting worse and worse, uh, and ended up in the emergency department. Um, and took some while for them to, to diagnose it, obviously, but uh, I was there and um, at first I thought I had kidney stones. Um, and then uh, after about uh, two days, I was transferred to Rochester here in Minnesota um, to the Mayo Clinic um, and then that's where they diagnosed me with uh, Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome.
0: So how did they get from point A to point B? So you were at work and you had this back pain. and thought it was kidney stones. And then a couple days later, you were at Mayo in Rochester and they thought you had vascular Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome.
1: Yeah, so uh, lots of testing, lots of different things happened. Uh, So originally, um, I was here in Mankato, so I live in Mankato, Minnesota, which is also a Mayo Clinic hospital. Um, And they uh, actually took me to the cath lab. Um, They found out through CT scans that I had um, some dissections uh, one in particular in my artery going into my kidney. Um, and so they took me to the cath lab to try to fix it. Um, and that didn't work. Um, they actually caused another dissection as they were trying to do that. Um, and so they, uh, backed out right away. Um, they spent the night, uh, in Mankato, um, and then they went back into the cath lab again the next day to try to, to fix again. Um, and it didn't work again. So then Um, That's when I was flown to Rochester. Um, They actually thought that I had an uh, aortic dissection, um, and so they flew me to Rochester. Um, Turns out I didn't have that, thankfully. Um, Yeah. But I was put in ICU in Rochester, um, and then that's when they did uh, a genetic um, doctor came in and actually talked to me about the different things that they thought it could be. Um, And the first one that they talked about was vascular Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, um, and they wanted to do genetic testing and... Um, so they did that. Um, I spent a couple more, uh, about another week and a half or so in Rochester, which is various things. Um, I had uh, several ultrasounds uh, just to make sure nothing was progressing. Um, I was put on blood pressure meds. Um, when I was, there There's so many things I was put on, it was ridiculous, uh, <laughs> the amount of stuff that I had going on. I lost circulation in my right leg, um, and so they were continuing to monitor that. Um, as well, so that's uh, kind of the delay in getting me uh, discharged from the hospital. Um, and so uh, they were focusing on that um, and doing ultrasounds uh, periodically on those arteries as well. Um, and then once uh, you know they kind of gave me the all-clear to go home, um, I went home and at that point I wasn't, uh, the genetic testing hadn't come back yet. Um, and so I had a follow-up appointment with the geneticist, Um, it was probably, I would say, a week and a half to two weeks later. It took some time to get that uh, testing back. Um, and so I went back down into Rochester uh, to the Mayo Clinic, and then they uh, informed me that I had vascular uh, Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome.
0: So when you were in the hospital, and they came yeah. to you, and like were the geneticists talked to you about the possibility of vascular Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Was that something that you had ever heard of? Like when they explained it to you, did it make sense? Or was that like a completely foreign idea that that it's something that you could have?
1: Yeah, a complete foreign language. I had no idea, had never heard of it before. Um, So I, and at that point I was, um, Heavily medicated too. So, uh, just explaining it to me, I was like, "Sure, yeah, whatever." I mean, just do it. I I don't think the reality actually set in for me at that point that you know this is that big of an issue. I guess, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I just thought, oh, it's just uh, you know something that I have to worry about, but never to the extent that I thought I would have to worry as much as I do. Um, So, yeah, I clearly did not know how what it was at that point.
0: And then when you went back for the appointment and you got your genetic confirmation. Yep. did it sink in then, or what did that feel like?
1: um I think it sunk in a little bit um i I think I was still um in shock, i guess or um not really thinking that you know can this really be me that's happening to um I was such an active person um before this happened um I used to run half marathons, I used to do a lot of five k's I did a lot of um physical activities so for this to happen was. Uh, to me, it just seemed like, now what do I do? Um, I lost basically my whole, um, everything that I used to do. I had to change my whole lifestyle. Um, I, you know, I, they finally told me, you know, you can't run anymore, you can't do this, you can't lift weights, you can't, um, you know, lift your kids. Um, all those things just you know, were told to me right there on the spot. And I was just like, really? Um, and so, yeah, it was definitely a shock
0: yeah that's it that's gotta be a huge shock. How old were your kids at that point?
1: Oh boy, let's see. Hannah would have been ten um, and Emily was five.
0: And did they get tested?
1: Yes, they both got tested. yep.
0: And do any of them have have vets too?
1: Yeah, so Hannah uh, came back negative and then Emily does uh, have vets as well yep and so she's nine right now
0: does she does she know it? Have you told yep. her?
1: Yep. Yep. We've told her, um, we told her right away, right after we found out and we went down and talked to the geneticist. Um, uh, we came back and we, uh, sat them both down at the table. Um, they were both very concerned about the fact that they might have it. Um, and so we just sat them both down at the table and uh, explained to them that, you know, um, we talked to Hannah first and said, you know, um, You don't have it, um, but Emily, you know, you do have it, and um, explain to her, you know, what it was more so, um, and kind of what that means for her, um, and that she'll have to go to the doctor more often and get scans and and be watched by a specific doctor in Rochester, um, and we'll have to watch what she can do um, from a physical activity standpoint, Um, but I think she was pretty, uh, actually, she's pretty good with it and pretty receptive to it, um, at this point anyway. Um, you know, we're we're twinsies. She says all the time, so um, we're vets buddies. Uh, so <laughs> it's kind of kind of uh, how we how we work with it, I guess. So
0: that's sweet. So yeah, When so when you were growing up, like I, I know you said it was like this completely foreign idea that you were very mm-hmm. active and you yeah. know you did I think you did sports and you yeah. ran five Ks. Were there looking back? Were there any signs? That you had it? Or was this like your very first thing, no outward signs?
1: Yeah, I had no signs whatsoever. Um, I, you know, uh, like you said, Katie, I I played basketball in high school. Uh, I played football all the way through junior high school. Um, I ran, you know, several 5Ks. I did some half marathons. so I did. I mean, I did a lot of active stuff, and there was nothing. Um, the only thing I ever had was I dislocated my kneecap twice. That's the only thing I've ever had uh, physically happen to me. So,
0: wow. Do yeah. you know if you have a family history?
1: Yeah. So uh, based on the genetic testing, um, my mother came back um, positive for VEDS as well. Um, and so she had a stroke just a couple years ago, actually, but that's the first um, thing that she's had, and she just turned 70 uh, a couple days ago, actually. Um, and then uh, we think my grandpa had it too, so my mom's dad, um, mm-hmm. that was never fully diagnosed because uh, he had passed away before um, any uh, sort of genetic testing was done on our family. Um, so, but we, we just know that based on um, some things that he had wrong, um, and um, looking back at it, he had had some surgeries where they said his, his tissues and stuff were like wet paper, like mm-hmm. wet tissue paper. So, we, we just assume that he had it. We don't know for sure, obviously without that uh, genetic testing, but um, the assumption is that he probably had it as well.
0: Wow. And that's great that your mom is, is doing fine, so is she recovering from her stroke okay?
1: yeah she's uh yeah she's been doing great um she she doesn't have any uh lasting side effects whatsoever so it's been it's been great
0: well, that's yeah. fantastic news
1: yeah yeah yep
0: that's awesome so yeah. how are you doing now it's been a few years since your diagnosis and you had those renal artery dissections right how's everything yeah. going
1: yeah so um post uh Post-situation, I guess you could say um, I'm doing well. I, I I go up to Rochester uh, once a year for follow-up uh, appointments. So they do scans of all my arteries uh, in my midsection. So they do the aortic, um, and then they do all the they do the renal arteries um, and just make sure that nothing has changed as far as those. Um, and then I'm on my blood pressure meds. Um, I do have uh, chronic kidney disease uh, based on my. Um, Diagnosis and my my injury, so my my kidneys are functioning at about forty seven percent. A normal person's at about ninety nine percent. So mine are running about half. Um, So, uh, but they continue to stabilize. I mean, they they haven't changed. Um, It's been at that at that point um, since well probably a couple years ago. Now um, they've been stabilized. But you know, when I originally had my injury um, or had my episode, uh, my kidneys were functioning at eight percent. Um, so there was uh, a lot of talk of dialysis for me, um, but thankfully everything kind of stabilized quickly and got got functioning again. So I didn't have to have to go through that. But um, so yeah, just the routine visits to Rochester, uh, get my ultrasounds done every single year, um, just to make sure everything is stabilized. Um, I follow up um, in the vascular uh, department down there in Rochester. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, uh, you know, uh, make sure my blood pressure meds are, and my blood pressure is good. Um, and, yeah, that's essentially it. A, but all my dissections have healed. Um, I don't have any more dissections at this point uh, within my body. So,
0: That's fantastic.
1: Yeah, yeah, I got got lucky.
0: That's <laughs> no, yeah. really, really great news.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So I want to ask you kind of a, a tough question. Sure. And I know, like, this was significant for me, um and i think that in some ways our stories are a little similar so i'm interested mm-hmm. in, in what your perspective is yep. so you your whole life you were very active and did sports and ran and nothing ever happened mm-hmm. and then this renal artery dissection happened when you were at work Yep. yep. what do you do for work
1: I'm actually a manager of a security operations for Mayo Clinic. So I was actually at work um, uh, right in the emergency department there when this happened. So,
0: Okay. Is that really active or were you doing anything when that happened?
1: No. Um, believe it or not, I was sitting at my desk uh, doing some stuff on my computer and I just started getting some back pain. I wasn't doing anything active at all.
0: So I guess the tough question that I want to ask you is like, how, how do you cope with that mentally? Because I think that spontaneous factor is really stressful and can be stressful for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, it, it is scary. Um, it's one of those things that you just don't know. Um, I To me, uh, me personally, how I cope is I just uh, live every day as if it might be my last, honestly, um, live it to the fullest and do everything I can with my kids, with my family, um, enjoy the things that I have at this point, um, and, you know, follow everything that my doctors are telling me as far as keeping my blood pressure low, um, you know, keeping those meds going. Um, I don't want to ever, you know, stop those or anything like that. But, I mean, essentially, that's all we can do, right, is is follow what the medical people are telling us and then and hope and pray for the best. I mean, it's kind of that attitude and that mindset that I have that I just enjoy what I have at this point.
0: Enjoy every moment, one one yep. moment at a time absolutely. That's great advice. Mm -hmm. So I want to, what else do I want to ask you? I feel like I have so many questions, but I also, (laughs) (laughs) it's just, it's just that spontaneity of it is just totally baffling to me.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, you know, the fact that, you know, when you and I talked, um, the other day, you know, when they, when they have I guess the Genesis first told me that, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't lift this, you can't lift that. Um, and knowing that it happened to me while I was sitting at my desk, I wasn't even doing any of that stuff. Um, it's kind of, it, it is perplexing and it is it's it is baffling in that, you know, you're, you're telling me all these things are what's going to cause this to potentially happen, but yet I was just sitting at my desk. I wasn't even doing any of that stuff, so it's like, the spontaneity and you know the spontaneous stuff that can happen is it is it's truly uh, baffling that it can happen at any point You know, I mean we've I'm sure you've read the articles too where you know um, Just from sneezing could cause a rupture or it could cause different things to happen. And it's like just sneezing <laughs> It it's totally baffling and it's totally perplexing and, and downright scary to be honest with you
0: Yeah, so, I think downright scary is a is a good way to put it yeah. for sure so mm-hmm. since you've had to let go of a lot of those more active things that you like to do, have you found anything new that you enjoy, like any new hobbies that you never thought you'd get into? Or
1: Yeah, you know, um, honestly, it, so before uh, my injury, I always had this passion for photography. Um, and, you know, I, it was kind of at the wayside for me. Um, I enjoyed the uh, running and uh, those kind of activities at that time. But now that obviously I can't do that. Um, I I've taken up photography. I've done, and I I specifically focus on like wildlife stuff. So I'll go out in the mornings on the weekends and just you know hang out in the park, take pictures of the birds and you know whatever might be happening in those types of locations. And you know it's just a, a fun way to get away from things and it's nice and peaceful. You don't have to worry about people hounding you and asking you questions or anything like that. It's kind of my my zen moment, so to speak. So,
0: oh, that's awesome. So that was something that you did enjoy prior, but then you just got more into it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had a camera and everything. I didn't do it as much, I don't think, um, as I do now, um, just because I, I enjoyed the running and stuff, um, but now this has kind of been my focus and my way of kind of um, de-stressing from everything and, and getting away, so to speak. So,
0: Yeah, that's really great. I also want yeah. to ask you, too, so your daughters are few years older now than they were Mm -hmm. when they were diagnosed Mm -hmm. how do you handle the diagnosis as a family like both yours your diagnosis and your younger daughter's diagnosis like is there a is there a secret to managing that to where the kids don't feel like (laughs) I don't know how to ask this question right yeah Um, yeah
1: yeah no I know what you're saying um you know it's I think we've all I want to say we've all kind of gotten the understanding that you know what there's going to be certain things that Emily and I can't do Um, and we just focus on doing things that we can do I guess is is kind of the the bigger picture for us Um, you know we know that you know what dad and Emily are not going to be able to run 5ks or be able to do those types of things Um, you know we still go on family bike rides we still do stuff like that we just Obviously, not the the more aggressive stuff. We just can't do those things, and we get that. So we've just changed, kind of our our focus as a family, as far as you know. We go camping more. Um, you know, that's a laid back type activity. There's nothing um, that we have to worry about so much with that. Just those little things like that um, that we focus on as a family, so that we don't have to um, worry as much about um, potentially hurting Emily or I.
0: Yeah. And do you do anything special with the school?
1: Yeah, um, so Emily does have a plan uh, in place for that. So they're fully aware that she has veds Um, Sarah my wife actually teaches up at the school. So that helps as well Um, and then um, so yeah, they they have a plan in place um, and we actually um, I guess Sarah and I um, and then several other families within uh, Mankato here area actually started a a little fundraiser We call it uh, chillin for a cure um, it's every uh, February where we help raise funds for different organizations uh, that we all are kind of uh, dealing with. We've all got rare diseases. It's kind of interesting that this one little school has uh, so many different people with uh, different uh, diseases, I guess you so to speak. but um, so yeah, um we do fundraisers and stuff like that and um, raise money for for our organizations that we're helping out. So
0: oh, that's awesome. That's called Chilling for a cure.
1: Yep, yep.
0: Very cool. I think I read some statistics somewhere at some point that like one in 10 people or one in 20 people maybe have a rare disease or something. So it's really cool that, that y'all are doing that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fun. We love doing it. So.
0: And, and I'm wondering too, like when you were diagnosed, so it was back in 2017, Mm -hmm. like what, what was out there? Like what what did they tell you?
1: Um, Honestly, uh, they didn't tell me much. Um, there was some stuff out there, but, um, you know, the, the geneticist just basically, um, said, you know, you're going to have to watch your blood pressure, uh, the no lifting, that type of thing. But other than that, that was all that, you know, my geneticist knew about it. Um, you know, they gave us the, the safety letter that we're, you know, the emergency letters to have in our possession. Um, so, you know, if we get hurt, we're considered an emergency no matter what. Um, but that you know that was basically it um I was you know when I was in Rochester I was seen by so many different uh specialists um I had vascular following me I had surgery following me because of the the uh dissections they thought maybe I was gonna have to have surgery they weren't 100% sure um there's just so many different people following me I I, (laughs) Sarah will tell you I was so uh they just came in every single morning obviously a, a team of uh You know, there was the primary doctor, and then there was a bunch of residents because Mayo Clinic is obviously a big teaching uh, hospital. and um, Mm -hmm. So you would have the main doctor, and you'd have four or five residents that would come in at the same time, and they would just pepper me with questions, just constantly peppering me with questions. And it's like that group would then leave. The next group would come in, and it was just getting to be um, overwhelming
0: Um,
1: because they ask you so many things, and then they would ask you the same questions. Um, And I think that, you know... Honestly is probably one of the the hardest things is you know when you have these episodes and you get put in the hospital and you Just you don't know what's going on with yourself um, And then you've got all these people asking you all these different questions, and you're wondering well, what are they thinking? And what are you thinking? And what is it that I have and you know, I mean Sometimes they don't have a clue as to what's going on with you, but um, It's just it's so so interesting Um But yet, obviously scary as well Um, to know that this is even out there. I had no clue.
0: Yeah, that is scary. Mm -hmm. I think I had an ER appointment, not an ER appointment, an ER visit. Not long after I was diagnosed, a few months later, I had my first big mini stroke. And it was that time where I came in and I was telling one of the nurses what I had. And she just looked at me. Totally shocked and she's just like, That just sounds like something out of a horror movie. Is that real? Mm -hmm. I'm like, Yeah, it's real. (laughs) I'm sorry to inform you. (laughs) It was hard. I mean, it was just like you're processing all of these emotions. You're going through Mm -hmm. your own emergency at that time and nobody around you really knows um what you're dealing with and it's just it's heavy.
1: Yeah, and I think uh you bring up a great point, Katie, in that um, still to this day I think education is obviously huge and, and you're doing a wonderful job in regards to that and it's I mean even the emergency departments even the emergency department I work in um, you know I tell the doctors you know I have veds and they're like well, what is that and not knowing exactly what it is and asking me questions about it which you know I try to do my best to help educate them um, because I never know when I'm going to be the next one in there again. I just, you never know, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I want them to be able to help me if something does happen because um, the more they know now before I actually am, you know, in a, in a bad state, um, the more they know about it, and, uh, obviously the better it's going to be for me in the end. So it's uh, it's 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 scary that they have no, you know, some have no idea what this is or have never even heard of it. So...
0: It's, yeah, it's a big deal, and that is something is. that we've worked on a lot at the at the VEDS movement mm-hmm. um, to increase that education out there. Yeah, but it's so scary. It's a scary place. It is. That's <laughs> it's a really sure. a scary place.
1: Yeah.
0: So, if there was any piece of advice that you could give somebody who's like listening to this podcast, and it's the first time that they are realizing they have VEDS, or they just got diagnosed. Um, what would that be?
1: Um, live in the moment. Um, I think that is uh, the biggest thing I can tell you. Um, know that um, we are not superhumans, that we might have uh, things that we have to worry about, but just live in that moment. Live for what you have today, um, knowing that you know things might change the next day. You just never know.
0: Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Do you have anything else that you'd like to share about your story that we didn't talk about?
1: No, uh, I guess for everybody that that might be listening to this, just don't give up hope. Um, We will find a cure um, and it's, it's, it's coming. We'll get there. It's just going to take some time, but we'll get there. Don't give up hope.
0: I love it. And do you want to put in a plug real quick for your chilling with a cure event?
1: Yeah, so uh, chilling for a cure, uh, obviously last year we weren't able to have it uh, because of COVID, but uh, we have it uh, every year. It's in February, last uh, Sunday in February, um, and you know we just have a big chili cook-off is what it is. Uh, we have a bunch of uh, people come up, and um, so we have an amateur competition and a, a pro competition and um, raise funds for a bunch of different organizations.
0: And where do you find more information about that?
1: Uh, We are on Facebook, uh, Chilling for a Cure. Um, If you want to go on Facebook, you can find a whole bunch of information on us as well.
0: Cool. Thank you so much, Eric, for sharing your story with us.
1: Absolutely. Thank you.
0: And thank you, everybody, for listening. This was Staying Connected. New episodes of Staying Connected come out on the last Sunday of every month. So hit subscribe and stay tuned, and we'll see you soon.